Welcome to the 60th episode of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name is Brandon Shawan, and joining me tonight, we have Ash Collins and Mark Nadu. Ash, how are things going this evening? They are coming along. Excellent. How about you, Mark? How are you? I'm doing really good. Got off work this morning. I'm off for five days. I got a few babies in front of me, and I'm looking really butch in this t-shirt. <laughs> That's always important. Yes. Absolutely. Very good. I cannot believe it that we are already on our 60th episode. Man, oh man. Five years we can retire. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that 401k will kick in. Booyah. <laughs> All right. So today we begin our look at the entire directorial career of a one Rob Zombie with our review of House of a Thousand Corpses. But before we talk about that film, let me remind everyone listening that we love interacting with you guys, our listeners. So you can find us on Twitter at Cinefessions, or you can email us at contact at Cinefessions.com. And you can also leave us a voicemail if you want to be a part of an upcoming show. You can call us at 1-302-448-TALK. That's 1-302-448-8255. And you do need the one in front of that number there, just FYI. We'd love to hear any comments, any questions, corrections, or anything else you might want to share with us or at any one of those three outlets for contacting us. You can also like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash and check out our long list of past reviews and past podcasts at cinefessions.com. All right, so before we move on to our question of the week, uh, I just want to announce an awesome giveaway for this episode. So this contest, unfortunately, is going to be open to U.S. listeners only due to the high cost of shipping. So I apologize for everyone who listens outside of the United States, which I know we have a good number of listeners outside the U.S., so I do apologize. Avatar. (laughs) Yes, you can still win Avatar. If you are from Canada, you can win Avatar by calling our voicemail and leaving us a message there. But maybe it's a wrong number. I'll just give it to you. I got yeah, you. Exactly. I need to shut space. You, <laughs> just let us know you called. Yes. All right. So in order to enter this week's contest, email us at contact at cinefashions.com or call us and leave us a voicemail at 1-302-448-8255 and give us the name of a director or a writer whose career you would like to hear us discuss in a a potential future podcast arc and explain why you chose that person. So we're going to read through all of your suggestions on an upcoming episode and then pick our favorite out of the bunch. And that favorite is going to win. So the the best part is that the winner is going to be sent a Blu-ray copy of Sex World from Mm -hmm. Vinegar Syndrome. Hell yes. So... I really hope the winner picks James Avatar or Jesus, James Cameron. So we can pick <laughs> I fucked up my joke. I'm so excited. Son of a bitch. Anyways. Oh, man. Oh, I wish that, I could edit. That's all right. I can. I I'm not going to edit it out. No, but that's don't. all right. It's raw. This is raw comedy, folks. James uh, Avatar. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> So if you if you guys follow me on Twitter, you might already know um, I won this with, with big box of they called it Sean's big box of porn. I mean, it's essentially softcore porn um, from Vinegar Syndrome. Mm-hmm. So yes. he won it as opposed to just randomly bought it. Right? Yes, yeah. exactly right. Yep, and I have proof. Just listen to the screencast, and you can see that I won. Yeah. Um, I, I, I got it online because I'm nervous to buy it in person. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so yeah this happened to be one in that box that i received which had like 
almost 10 um, different releases and it was awesome. It's an awesome uh, prize to win. Uh, but I actually happen to own this one already. So, oh, okay. Yeah. This I'm works even... out for, uh, for you guys because I'm, I'm going to pay it forward, so to speak. So we're going to pick one winner out of all these entries in, in an upcoming show. So remember, US-based listeners, send me an email, contact at syndefessions.com or leave us a voicemail. 1-302-448-8255. Give us the name of a director or writer whose career you'd like to hear us uh, have a, a retrospective of on a potential future podcast arc. And also tell us why you chose that director or writer. And that gets you entered in to win this awesome dose of softcore porn, courtesy of Vinegar Syndrome, the Screamcast podcast and the Cinefessions podcast. How many boxes of tissues came with the box of Blu-rays? <laughs> None, but he did give me some buttons and some vinyl stickers, which were pretty badass. So if you guys don't know the Screamcast podcast, definitely check that out. Um, I They're not paying me to say that. I just enjoy them. I think they're an excellent podcast. So uh, great for horror fans like us. And fans of smut. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you know what? You, you, you can't be afraid of your sexuality and stuff. If you like that stuff, then great. Celebrate it. Don't stay in the shadows. Enjoy what you like. Alex Mutt. <laughs> Amen. Mm. Mark's preaching this this evening. I like it. Hallelujah. So even if you're not in the U.S. and you want to give us some suggestions about potential future podcast arcs, we absolutely want to hear about them. So email us or leave us a voicemail as well. We definitely appreciate that. So. Mm-hmm. All right, so I think that's a great contest for this week. So let's let's move over to the question of the week, and it's kind of related. Because I have an idea that I might want to throw out in a, in a poll in uh, on the on the website here in, in the coming days, coming weeks, whatever the case happens to be. But so, Mark and Ash, I'm going to ask you guys. So, obviously, Rob Zombie. If you're a longtime Cinefessions podcast <laughs> listener, you're going to know that Rob Zombie's retrospective is one that I've wanted to do for a long time. And so, I ask you guys if you can pick, which you can, one director or writer to review his entire career on our podcast, who would you pick and why? Hmm. <laughs> I would have two answers to that. Okay. Uh, That's fine. Old school, then I can go new school. If I had to go old school, I would go Carpenter because he's one of my favorites. Um, now, that said... I think everybody and their dog has spoken about Carpenter films. Mm-hmm. That's so fine. So I'm probably, I would just rehash what's been said over and over again. So what would be fun is instead of doing his early stuff is to do his later stuff that isn't as well received. Um, like Ghost of mm-hmm. Mars, uh, like the one he did. Was it The Ward, his last one? Yeah. With uh, Johnny Depp's ex, uh, Amber... Amber Heard. Amber Heard. Amber goddamn not, gorgeous Heard. Yeah, not really good, though, you know? Um, See, I it's like not, that, though. Ah. Uh, it, it's horrible. It's just, it's not classic Carpenter. And you know what? When you have a, uh, a career that long, everybody will go back to their nostalgia factor, to their first films, the films they like the most. So I can understand that. Um, but, like, you know, people have a hate for vampires. I like vampires. James Woods, uh, the other Baldwin, you know, like that's a fun movie. Um, and Ghost of Mars, I bought it. I don't like it, 
But that said, to do a retrospective and me not having seen the film in a very long time, I'd gladly revisit the film again. And I think that's one of the early Jason Statham films where I actually recognize the actor and like, oh, okay, I know him from something, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I would do maybe some like later Carpenter. Um, As much as I'd love to talk about The Fog and Christine, I just think it's probably been overdone. I don't know. Trouble in Little China. Yeah, again, though, but everybody's (laughs) talked about it, you know? Like when I've got three little China t-shirts in my my closet, you know, it, it seems that the sponge is full of water, you know? So to maybe do some lesser known... Films, even like Dark Star, one of his first films did with O'Bannon. I've never seen it. I would love to check it out. Um, oh, I tried watching, I fell asleep. Couldn't, uh, couldn't stay awake for that's it. That's what I heard. It's not the greatest. But again, it's his first <laughs> film, and it was like a college film. Like, you know, they were just. Yeah, it was a student school. film, yeah. Yeah. So, since when are film, uh, or like, you know, uh, if, uh, film school films actually that good? They're experimental, right? They right. might either, you might either love it or you might really, really hate it. Um, so if I go old school, I'd like to do that. If we're going to go more newer school, like new wave directors and stuff, um, I like to do the James Wan films. You know, we already mm-hmm. did Saw. But like, you know, I'd love to revisit Dead Silent because I don't remember liking it because of the puppet. Right. Um, to go through the Insidious films, the Conjuring films. Now he's got Lights Out, which I haven't seen yet. Um, that would be fun because like I've seen them recently within the last five to six years or whenever they came out. And I've really enjoyed them all except for one. So I would love to go through them again and really like, you know, go through the special features on the Blu-ray. If there's commentary, listen to the commentary. Um, I'd be up for that. So that would be my two picks, like old school and newer school. Awesome. All right, Ash, now you have to have two now because Mark <laughs> raised the bar. So, um, Well, see, I would I would have to go with Carpenter. Carpenter was my first pick, but I would do like the whole catalog. I, I, yeah. I love all. I love most of Carpenter's films. Um, Ghosts of Mars is probably I, I enjoy Ghosts of Mars, but it was he was infatuated with this story bookended by, uh, you know, it was he, he did the same thing within the Mouth of Madness, mm-hmm. where you kind of know where it's going because of how the movie started, and this guy or girl is telling the story of what happened to them. And it just it kills all the suspense because, you know, only one person survives this, yeah. you know, type of thing. Um, so I didn't like that part of it. I thought, you know, it was fun. I thought they they did some interesting things with it. But, you know, so um, but uh, I think Carpenter would definitely be one uh, I'd be willing to do. Um, Juan is a good choice. James Wan is a good choice. I do like I like most of his movies, even Dead Silence, I thought was kind of fun. Um I don't know who else would I <sighs> see because a lot of the ones I like, you know, they, they started off horror and sci-fi and then they went respectable. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, you know, Cameron's one of those. Uh, I think I would. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Cause Cameron's not too bad. Most of his are either sci-fi or horror. I think he's got one or two, like the, like true lies, you know, where it's just an action movie. Um, but you know, it, it, you know, it's still pretty good. Uh, I think I would go with Cameron. And okay. I would love to revisit The Abyss. Now I believe it's coming out with a Blu-ray release. Yeah, yes. Finally. yes, it is. Finally. I, fucking hate I the Abyss, would though. love to it's revisit It's a 4K release, too. So they've completely oh, wow. rescanned the film. It's a terrible fucking movie anyway. What? Really? What? What? The Abyss is amazing. that movie. Shut your hole. I hate that movie. You see the girl's boobies for a second while she's uh, drowned. <laughs> 
There's, uh, That's enough for Mark. Wait, wait. Have you have you watched which version have you watched? Just the theatrical, or did you watch the director's cut? Oh, I've uh, seen both. Uh, well, didn't that uh, DVD from uh, Fox have both versions? Um, the they had an anniversary edition uh, that had both. That's the one I've got is the the anniversary DVD that's got both on it. Yeah, yeah. It's the gray disc or the gray uh, the gray case, right? I it's think like so, a great yeah. double case. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what I have. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know which version I watched. I think it. I think I have that same release, but I don't know which version I ended up watching. So okay. Well, the you. the theatrical cut um, works, but it. <sighs> They kill a bunch of character development and they also kill like basically like a lot of the stuff that was going on that makes the aliens make a little more sense. But uh, anyway, um, but yeah, if you didn't like the movie, you didn't like the movie. Yeah, we'll just hate you. That's fine. To this day, <laughs> I will uh, struggle with any pink stuff that I have to breathe. That, that, that stuff scares me. Honestly, to, to drown is one of my greatest fears. Yeah. I'm very buoyant though. Um, but just having to breathe in that pink juice, I'm like, oh, it makes me think of Ghostbusters too. <laughs> oh man. Um, would be fun, though, before yeah, we go, go to your picks is to actually, instead of uh, picking a, a specific director, mm-hmm. just have the fans pick a film. And then we take one element of that film, like, you know, either writer, director, producer, actor, and find another film that they're in as well and then do like a seven degrees of kevin bacon so we can get to kevin bacon within seven films yeah that's a that's an awesome idea we can call it bacon fest <laughs> oh very cool idea yeah uh, so i i didn't pick any because um basically house of a thousand corpses is my pick and so the, what i was thinking of doing is taking mark your pick taking ash your pick and then taking the listener's pick or in this case, taking two from each, whatever the case is, two listeners, two from each of you, and kind of and putting a poll up on the website to see what would the audience be most interested in hearing. Uh, so that's kind of the idea I had. So we'll see uh, how, what our response is with our contest this week and uh, go from there to see if that's something that we want to do in the future. But uh, Mark, your idea about, you know, just having the audience pick a film and going from there is also a great idea. So, you know, this is what our emails for this is what our Twitter's for, then our voicemail. Hit us up. Let us know your thoughts. We'd love to hear some uh, advice from you guys as well. So, very good. That'd be, that'd be very fun, especially if you actually do the whole Kevin Bacon thing. Yeah. <laughs> get Kevin Bacon. That right. would be pretty funny. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Why does every path end in Footloose? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, hmm. All right. So... Ash, what have you done this week in media? Uh, or in general, doesn't matter. Um, watched all of Between, uh, the Netflix series. Um, well, How was Netflix, that? The Netflix Canada series, I should say. Um, oh. it's actually it's actually pretty decent. Um, they, I think the first season's stronger than the second season, but the second season has some good moments. Um, it's it's got an interesting premise and I kind of like the, uh, the characters aren't necessarily dumb that I mean, most of them are kids. They're just trying to, you know, react to the situation. Uh, but yeah, it's, that one was pretty good. I liked it. Yeah. It's What's that called, uh, between. between. Yeah. yeah. It's on my to watch list. Yeah. It's, it's only right now it's two seasons and 12 episodes. So it's not mm. too bad Two Yeah. Total. Okay. So, 
Um, I watched uh, Monsters Dark Continent today. Um, oh, I okay. kind of wish I hadn't. Yeah, it, I, I bought that. Fuck. Yeah. Well, I, I liked the monster sequences. Um, yeah, it, it, the mo- the sequences with the monsters was fantastic. The great effects. The story surrounding it is utter shit. Yeah. <laughs> I just I like it's like it's basically. It's basically like Black Hawk down with monsters or, you know, the, the any any generic military themed film where uh, an operation goes to shit and then throw in the monsters from that first monster movie uh, is basically it. It's eh, I, I don't recommend it. I mean, there was a couple of good, good scenes, but it's just it's surrounded by just, ugh. you know, it's, way it's too funny long. because. I like the universe, but I just mm-hmm. I'm not a like the movies aren't strong, but the universe he created is actually interesting. Yeah. You know? Well, I, I liked I, the first movie the first time I saw it. The second time I watched it, eh, not as much. Yeah. Um, but I mean it was it, the first one felt more world building. This one feels like it was a military movie and the monsters got tacked on later. Yeah, like I've seen the first one only once and I liked it. I didn't love it. Uh, but and so I was going to pick up the second one. But fortunately, I was reading reviews about it and uh, I was saved by all the negative reviews. And so I never ended up picking it up. Yeah, which I, like a good it, and it's on Netflix. So if you're curious, you know, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I only gave it two stars total, yeah. uh, you know, uh, out of fives on Netflix. So it wasn't great, um, which is like one and a half for the Cinefession scale. Right. Um, and then uh, I watched The Invitation. Holy oh, okay. shit. <laughs> I, uh, I, I cannot wait to actually get my my teeth biting into that movie. Like it's, it's, only, it's a movie that I want to watch, but I want to be in the right mood to watch it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it, I, I recommend it. Uh, it's listed as a psychological thriller. It starts off slow i will warn you guys now if you go to watch it it does start off really slow but there's a lot of character stuff here so you actually give a shit about the people you're watching um and you can kind of tell that something is off and you're you know you're trying to piece it together with the the lead character here uh who is actually one of the scientists uh from uh prometheus uh, oh. and he was uh he was uh naomi rapacious uh, husband in Prometheus. Okay. Uh, yeah, he's the lead of the film of uh, the Invitation. He's actually really, really good in this. Um, there's a lot of you know a lot of those moments where they're they're having to act with their eyes because the dialogue is not necessarily there, and you can kind of instantly tell what they're thinking just by looking at them. It really, <laughs> really well done, and it just yeah. Uh, once it gets going though, it's just like boom, 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 boom. Yeah, and it, it all kind of falls together. It's that was pretty good. I recommend it a lot. Yeah, I've heard a ton about that, and I'm definitely going to watch that soon. Yeah, it's one of the movies that really got a huge uh, audience rating at uh, Fantastic Fest last year, mm-hmm. and it just got released on uh, DVD and Blu-ray by Jeff House Films. Um, so it's on my to buy list. But yeah. uh, since it's available on uh, Netflix in Canada and in the U.S. Um, I kind of want to watch it first, but it is, I think, a movie that I will want to own in my collection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and that was pretty much it for me. Awesome. What about you, Mark? Honestly, since the last time we chatted, um, I haven't watched anything apart from homework for here. Um, and then I kind of made uh, some coworkers at work since my boss was on vacation 
uh, <laughs> on our last uh, set of uh, ships. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't like horror movies. So oh. on night shifts, we tend to watch films like after like midnight because it tends to die down. So we're able to you know kill time by watching a movie. That's so cool. I brought some horror flicks. Nice. Um, so I brought Green Room. Oh, and, okay. Uh, yeah. And I didn't tell my coworkers anything about it. So mm-hmm. that was fun. <laughs> and then last night, uh, we also uh, watched um, uh, The Final Girls, which, again, oh, I had already okay. seen. I liked it. I thought I'd educate them with some awesomeness. I uh, didn't get a chance to finish it. Uh, that's why I didn't add it to my letterbox, just because mm-hmm. of, you know, things that came up at work. But uh, apart from that, yeah, I didn't get much of a chance to do lots of my own media stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I was able to finish the last two episodes of uh, With Bob and David on Netflix. Uh, Bob Odenkirk, David Cross had that show, Mr. Show on HBO almost mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Um, so that that series came out in November on Netflix. It was only four episodes. I'd watched the first two. I didn't find them that funny, so I kind of put them on the side. But mm-hmm. now that I had finished uh, Weed Season 6, last time we spoke, I, I want to kind of do some uh, cleanup. So I watched the last two episodes, and I'm actually, before we started the podcast, I was watching the behind-the-scenes of it. And man, the last two episodes, which again, only four, so episodes three and four, they were so funny. So it kind of turned the series around for me. Okay. Um, if you can count four episodes a series, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so I, yeah, I, I ended up really digging the last two episodes. So I'm gonna give it like three stars because you can't give half stars. Um, so I did that, and that's pretty much it. Since nope. I don't have much to say media wise, mm-hmm. um, I'm assuming you guys have all bought shirts from FrightRags.com. Um, I have not. No. no? Okay, but have you been to FrightRags before? Yes. Are you aware? Okay, so I got an email today from FrightRags. Um, about, I guess, a new label that they're starting up called okay. uh, Plastic Fang. Hmm. So what they're doing is they're going, uh, they're doing an offshoot of their t-shirts. Instead of going all horror, they're going to go more like nostalgia. Um, oh. I, so they're starting a, um, a series of t-shirts based off their nostalgia from 80s films. <laughs> so the email I got today, which I'm not sure if anybody else got it, um, they released a whole bunch of shirts which aren't on sale yet, but they've done like a little preview. Mm-hmm. They've got their making, which I'm buying as soon as they're available next. I think it's next week. They're doing a flight of the navigator T-shirt. Oh, ah, okay, nice. Yeah. Right, exactly. I have not seen flight of the navigator T-shirts anywhere. So they're and they've got mock-ups of what their shirts are going to look like. It looks fucking awesome. So they've got a flat and navigator T-shirt. I really hope on the back of the shirt it says compliance on it, but I'm not going to hold my breath on that. (laughs) Fried rags. If you guys are listening, (laughs) if you want to put compliance on the back of the shirt, that would be awesome. So they've got a flat and navigator shirt coming out. They've got a last Starfighter T-shirt coming out, which is not as hot on the. Uh, on the um, design as a navigator one. Oh, okay. Um, they've got a Karate Kid shirt coming out that says uh, Miyagi Do Karate with the bonsai tree on a bay shirt with uh, uh, with a sun behind the tree. It looks really cool. Uh, they've got a Stand By Me The Body shirt coming. Hmm. And they've got two... Uh, well, they've got a shirt called Ex-Presidents based off... Um, based off... Uh, oh, shit. Uh, what's that movie with Swayze and... Kino, uh, Point Break. Oh, okay. So they got two point break shirts, one like in a like a like a nice light blue and one in a gray. I guess it's called Dark Heather. 
Um, mm. Anyway, so yeah, so they're coming out with a new line of shirts that are not horror-based. They're more nostalgia 80s-based, and I'm very excited for that. Um, so I'm probably going to pick up the Navigator shirt for sure. And since I can't just buy one thing, I'll probably pick up the uh, Karate Kid and probably the last Starfighter shirt as well. Uh, because I think I've got two hangers that are free, so might as well fill them up with shirts. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so again, so th- this is FrightRags.com, so Fright-Rags.com, and uh, it's their new uh, plastic fang line, which uh, comes out soon. Uh, uh, you know what? It comes out August 10th, so next Wednesday, because today okay. is the uh, third, right? Third. Yeah. Yep. So next Wednesday, um, I'm excited for it. I think uh, you guys should, too, be excited if you need shirts. That <laughs> yeah, that's books. awesome. Because those How shirts are going to be so much. Um, it, no price point as of yet, okay. but if they go by the same uh, price points of the, uh, of the regular shirts that they have, uh, 20 some bucks, I think some of them are like 27, okay. some are more limited. Um, Is that US funds or Canadian Yeah, that would funds? be US, that'd be US okay. funds. Yeah. Okay. Um, cool. of course they always have sales and some shirts, you know, they go into clearance and stuff. Um, right. but you know, if they price their shirts 20, 25, I'll gladly pick up a few. Awesome. Even with the exchange yeah, rate really cool. and the shipping, their quality is excellent bar none. It's worth it. You're not going to be disappointed with your purchase. Awesome. I'm definitely going to check that out. Mm-hmm. Good tip. Yeah, I didn't do too much watching either. I watched uh, Raw on Monday and SmackDown on Tuesday. But uh, I will say this. It has me excited for SummerSlam. Yes. I think it actually has potential to be a really cool card. Um, but other than that, I'm not spend a lot of time on that just for the sake of our listeners. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I finally entered in the my entire collection of movies, so I'm very happy with myself. Okay, I was able to get that done. I think I'm just over 1,300 barcodes. Oh man, that's so hot. So, yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah, I'm pretty excited. I got everything in, so now it's just a matter of keeping it up. It's not a problem adding. It's a problem when I try to get rid of things because I just, I never delete. That was the issue with the last, uh, with my last collection in yeah. DVD profiler. So I'll make sure to keep up with that now. But so I did do some purchasing this week though. So I bought the Scream Factory collector's edition releases. Um, the two most recent ones. So Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which came out yesterday, Tuesday. Okay. And I bought really Return of the Living Dead, which came out last week. Nice. Um, I also grabbed Hellhole from Scream Factory, which came out last week, I believe, also maybe a couple weeks ago. That oh. one's not a collector's edition, but I was reading a lot about it, and it just sounds like it's right up my alley. So I was like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna pick it up." Um, I actually I have like seven more items in my Amazon cart that I am contemplating purchasing. Um, I'm just waiting for the right time to pull the trigger on those, but all of them are more Scream Factory releases. They're not collector's editions, but they are just releases from Scream Factory. So, Oh, can I say a quick thing about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, our Canadian listeners, if you go to Amazon.ca, uh, a lot of the Scream Factory Blu-rays are on sale right now. Um, so even even uh, uh, you Americans, you Yankees, you can also go to Amazon.ca. Uh, you'll probably pay a few bucks for shipping. But uh, the average price of these uh, Blu-rays on sale about seventeen ninety-nine Canadian, so that's about a oh. buck fifty US. So <laughs> if you, uh, yeah, there's a whole bunch. I want to pick some up. I'll probably buy some after we're done the podcast. Yeah, I'm gonna um, definitely check it out. But there's a bunch. Uh, if you know, if you want to uh, find them quickly, 
Mm-hmm. I use a, a website called uh, well, Blu-ray.com, blue-ray.com, mm-hmm. and they've got price trackers. So when something goes on sale that's of a huge significance, uh, they'll list them right on the front page. And then you can check out all recent price changes. Um, so that's how I found out that uh, Screen Factory is on sale right now in Canada. I didn't notice it on the U.S. site, but $17.99 Canadian, uh, that's probably, what, 13 bucks U.S.? Maybe? Yeah. No um, idea whatsoever. I because when I went to Canada, uh, when I went to Canada, when I went to US last <laughs> week to pick up my uh, my mail, twenty dollars US with the exchange rate was twenty seven Canadian. Oh wow! So okay, that sucks. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, you guys uh, south of the border, you can probably clean up pretty good, even with the um, with the uh, shipping, shipping fee. You probably make out like a bandit on these Screen Factory titles. Hell yeah, I'm, that's what I'm going to hit up right after this because I need, I think I am eight shy of a complete collection of the Scream Factory Collector's Editions. So okay. I need to uh, get the rest of those. So I'm definitely going to check that and hope that some of them are uh, ones I don't have already. Well, you know what? Speaking of collections, mm-hmm. did you uh, did you read online this week about uh, Vestron Video? Yes, Yes. Yes. And, I did. and did you did you hear about the new new ones that they just announced? I think yesterday. I did, but I couldn't tell you what they are. I did read it though, but I can't remember which ones they are. Yeah. So they announced Chopping Mall and Blood Diner as their first two releases. Right. Which Chopping Mall I will pick up, even though I have it on DVD. Uh, I mm-hmm. think it's a fantastic film. Kind of steep price wise in Canada. Uh, I'm not sure how it is in the US, but Canadian, it's thirty seven dollars and six cents right now. Paying yeah, 40 it, bucks for Blu-ray, I just can't stomach that. That's, ugh. Yeah, they're basically doing criterion pricing. Uh, yeah. In the States, the MSRP is is $39.95 or $39.99 or whatever. So it's essentially criterion collection pricing, which now, is a bit high. It is also, it, it is a just-released pre-order. So I'm assuming the prices will go down when Hopefully. you get closer to the release date. Um, and I know with Amazon, they do have the price release guarantee. So let's say you pre-order yeah. them now, whatever the price is when they're released, that's how much you'll actually pay for them because mm-hmm. you don't get charged until they ship, right? Right, um, exactly so like, right. I could order them right now. I can order <laughs> I can order Blood Diner and Shopping Mall right now for $74.12. But <laughs> I'm sure that won't be the final price. Um, but speaking of that, the next releases, uh, they're releasing um, uh, Chud and Chud 2. Oh, Which, yes. Chud, awesome. But the Chud, not so much. Um, <laughs> I'm also excited for Waxworks 1 and 2. Awesome. I only saw Waxworks for the first time, I think, last year or the year before, and it blew me away. I don't know why I had never seen it before. It was awesome. Yeah, I've not seen that. I own that on one of the, like, uh, eight collection pack yeah, things, yeah. but I've not watched it yet. It's The first one's awesome. I can't talk about two because I haven't seen it. But I've the, seen two. How is it? Is it as good as the first? Uh, eh. uh, some of the effects works good. The story is a little weak. I mean, it, I don't know. It kind of a mixed bag. I I remember. I haven't seen it in a long time. The last time I saw it was like it was on Cinemax. I think. Yeah. At like two in the morning. <laughs> so. it, is that is it Waxworks two that Marina Sirtis is in, or is that the first one? Uh, I think it's two, right? That I couldn't tell you. Hang on, let me. Yeah, for you Star Trek fans, if you want to see Counselor Troy topless, uh, watch the first. Oh, what's with with uh, Charles Bronson? 
Death Wish. Death Wish. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that actually kind of freaked me out because, like, I grew up a concert Troy <laughs> when TNG <laughs> was on TV. And then I saw Death Wish and I saw her naked. I'm like, that's just not right. Awesome. <laughs> but just not right. You know, it's concert Troy. You don't do that to oh, a beta Z. Come on. That's hilarious. Oh, I forgot. I forgot Bruce Campbell was in Waxwork, too. Is he? See, yeah, I, I don't know. Patrick McNee, McNee, uh Drew Barrymore's in it for a little bit. David Carradine. Yeah, there's there's a lot of neat stuff in it. Like Zach yeah. Galligan's in it too, which is eh, he's all right, and I guess mm-hmm. and there's some good moments to it from what I remember, but it's kind of all over the place as yeah. far as that stuff goes. But. So Vestron is releasing those two as well, which I have to pick up. Hopefully not for $74.12. <laughs> right. But the one I'm excited for the most, they're releasing on Bluey, Return of the Living Dead 3. Oh, oh nice. yes. I'm so excited for this. I love this movie. Like, I have a tattoo of Julie on my leg. Like I am <laughs> so excited that it's getting a Bluey release, hopefully with a shit ton of extras. Mm-hmm. I am going to dive into that uh, that that selection and like pick it apart. I'm so happy. This see, this is what makes collecting so much fun. You know, like you can buy your movies on iTunes and download whatever, mm-hmm. but it's to get these special collectors editions right. and these movies being you know reborn in high def. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, hell yeah. It's, it's a really cool announcement that they'd been, uh, I've heard rumors of for a while now, so I'm excited to finally see that it's actually coming. Yeah, and so I will I when I get them. Yeah, they, they need to find a good film print of Hellraiser 3 and do a yes. Blu-ray off of that, because all they've got is the crappy cropped VHS version, and it's just like, ugh, it's driving me nuts. I'm a big fan of Hellraiser 3. Yeah, I, I, I loved Hellraiser 3. It's a little dated, you know, just, you know, like CDs and like the, the camcorders, but I still like it a lot. It, uh, I think Hellraiser 3 was the first one I saw in the series yeah. because I think my sister had a sleepover and then her and her friends were watching it. So I just started watching it with them. And yeah, mm. that movie was freaky, man. I think the the third one, I think, had some of the best, the best pinhead dialogue in it under the whole series. Mm-hmm. He has some fantastic lines in that. And it's just, it's like, yeah, right now it's kind of marred because they, like I last saw it on Netflix and it was you know, four by three cropped and I was started looking oh. around. I was like, why is this not in HD? Yeah. And it's because they're, they haven't released it in HD at all. The one Blu-ray release that they have, it's like a cropped version of the four by three. And, and it looks terrible. I was just like, really? You're peddling that as the Blu-ray release? No, oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> but Man, yeah, I've still only seen Hellraiser one. Oh, Hellraiser two is so good. <laughs> oh yeah. It's a Hellraiser two Hellraiser. I think it's called, right? Uh, are, th- are there the Hellraiser wrist? Were the Hellraisers? Uh, wasn't it? No? Hellbound? <laughs> Hellbound yeah, it, it, Hellraiser two. Yeah, it is. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> oh, okay. finding. Yeah. I, I couldn't remember because because the the uh, book the first movie is based off of is called the Hellbound Heart. So that always right. uses the hell out of me. Yeah. I need to read those books. I've never read any of the Clive Barker Hellraiser books, and I heard the last book they did. I I know that uh, Barker uh, his last novel, um, it kind of ends the whole Pinhead um, storyline, and it adds. I think, it's, is it Harry Damore from uh, uh, Lords of Illusion? So I guess they merge both worlds together. Or oh. it is part of the same world, but they, both characters, they, they cross paths. 
Hmm. And apparently it's really awesome, but That's I haven't cool. picked it up because I haven't read any of the previous books. And I'm not one to start on the last book of a series, you know? I didn't know there was a, I thought there was only like a couple, like, and, and Hellbound Hearts, not even really a novel. Technically, it's I think it's like a novella. novella. Right? Yeah. yeah, it's a novella. Yeah. I didn't realize there was others. I thought there was just that one. And then I thought there was like, he released one relatively recently that I thought was like continuing I, that story. I, I, remember. I remember Hellbound Heart though, because I read it after I watched the first Hellraiser movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very, the first Hellraiser movie is very close to the book. I mean, really close. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. He he adapted it, right? So I mean, I think so. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, because he, he direct didn't he direct the first one? I believe so. Ooh, yeah. I don't know. I th- I think you're right. I'm pretty sure you're right on that. Checking right now on my IMDb. Yeah, written and directed by Clive Barker. There we go. So yeah, very cool. Yeah, the the only other thing I did this week, I grabbed um, the Barnes Noble Criterion Collection sale ended last week, and so yeah. God knows I couldn't let that go without buying something else. So I grabbed um, Watership Down. Okay. Uh, the animated film I That's bought with the, uh, the, the the mice, right? The uh, rabbits. I that's pretty messed up. Yeah, that's what I hear. I've not seen it, but I've I've heard that, and I've heard it's really great. So okay, check that out. Um, I picked up the In Laws, which is a a comedy that my great uncle showed us years and years ago when we were visiting him in California. Um, and he always references it whenever we, whenever we talk. And so I figured, yeah, this would be a good one to pick up. Um, I remember liking it a lot and it was, it was quite funny, but okay. more nostalgia. So I picked that one up. Um, I picked up the new world, which is, was a more expensive release because it's, it has so like a couple different versions of the film on it. And uh, it's really going to be the the definitive release of it as far as it looks anyway. So um, I actually don't have that one yet because I had to have it shipped. But I grabbed that one. And then finally, I was listening to the uh, Criterion Cast podcast mm-hmm. and uh, with like hours to go in the sale. And they were ranting and raving about how great Fantastic Planet is. Another animated uh, French film, I believe. And yes. uh, so I had to pick that one up. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I... Uh... My buddy Ian El Goro, he did a episode uh, regarding uh, Fantastic Planet. Okay. And uh, the 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 art itself doesn't do anything for me. Like it's not one I probably ever watch. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the way he spoke, I mean, it's not compelling. But uh, I'm not into that French New Wave '70s style of animation. I don't know what it gotcha. is. It just doesn't appeal to me. Yeah, I love animated films, so um, I'm hoping that I'll I'll enjoy it. Uh, do you have uh, Fritz the Cat? Huh? Fritz I don't, you know, I've not huh? seen that, and I've I've really wanted to. I've heard it's I've heard it's quite quite something to behold. Well, before you ask me, no, I have not masturbated to that film. <laughs> so don't ask. <laughs> oh, oh, good times. I think Pe- pegging doesn't Ash. count as masturbation, then. You see that? I had a mouthful of beer in my mouth. Thanks. Yeah, I did not spray oh, on the camera. <laughs> I think Ash, you wrote about that film in the past in one of your um, well, lifetime of yeah. No, well, uh, I mentioned I haven't seen it, uh, or I'd seen parts of it, but I haven't seen. Oh, the whole maybe thing. it wasn't that one. Okay, I think is that I think that one's a Bakshi one, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. You, I know you mentioned one of his films in the past, then, on, on one of those articles that you wrote the. I you're doing like top tens. Wizards, maybe. Oh yeah, that could have yeah. been it. That might, yeah. that might have been it. Um, he did a version of Lord of the Rings. Yes. Yeah. Um, he's done a, a couple of the ones I like. I liked Cool World. That wasn't terrible, but it wasn't oh, okay. like it wasn't what I expected either. Mm-hmm. I never saw that one. Yeah. Hmm. That one's not too bad. It's interesting. 
Yeah, I didn't want to watch it or rent it when my parents had it. Like, you know, when I lived with my parents as a kid, you know, you see it at the video store. Because I think that came out, what, 92, 93? And like um, that, yeah. I'm like, ah, Kim Basinger animated. She looks really, really nice. <laughs> like a blonde Jessica Rabbit. I shouldn't watch this for you guys. <laughs> I need some alone time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to pause this podcast. I just thought about it. <laughs> just jokes folks just jokes (laughs) all right so let's jump in to the first film in our rob zombie retrospective this is 2003's house of a thousand corpses so as always there will be major spoilers for house of a thousand corpses so if you've not seen the film make sure you pause it check it out and then come back and hit play on the podcast again because there will be major spoilers and that is your final warning. So House of a Thousand Corpses, obviously directed by Rob Zombie, also written by Rob Zombie. It currently has an IMDb score of 6.0 out of 60,637 votes on IMDb and a Metacritic score of 31 with a tomato meter of 19%, but an audience score of 65%. It had a budget of $7 million and a gross of over $12.5 million. So clearly it did well in theaters. <laughs> All right. So let me start with uh, your history of this film. Ash, what is your history with House of a Thousand Corpses? Uh, rented it when it first hit video. Um, and that was it. I had only watched it the one time until today. So. Or not or until the podcast. I, meant, right, I didn't watch right. it today. I watched it a couple days ago, but yeah. <laughs> and what about you, Mark? What's your history with this one? I remember seeing it in theaters. I don't remember if I liked it or not. Okay. Um, and obviously, I bought it on DVD when it came out. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's in theaters. I don't see why I wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I couldn't tell. I, I don't... I, I just don't know what my 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 thoughts were after after viewing it for the first time. You didn't you didn't rate it on IMDb back in two thousand three. No, but I'm curious to see if somebody did rate it on IMDb in two thousand three and what yeah. they would have scored it. Yeah, you bet your ass I rated it on IMDb. <laughs> oh. And I, can, can and I, I gave this motherfucker. Okay. What's that? Okay, I bet. Yeah, I bet. bet. Ten. A, you bet ten. Okay, yeah. I was gonna go higher or low. Um, I'm gonna say eight. <laughs> Right in the middle. I gave this bad boy a nine. Son of a bitch. Are you kidding? Son of a bitch. I will never forget. Wait, 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 wait a fucking second. You gave, what was it, soft five or was it soft four (laughs) a fucking 10 out of 10? (laughs) And you only gave this one a nine? Yeah. Now, mind uh, you, I may, I may have, because ch- I've seen the movie since in theaters. I may have changed it while I was going. I don't, I don't know. Uh, okay. But, <laughs> but I, I loved this movie when I saw it in theaters. I absolutely fucking loved it. And I'm, I'm just gonna say it. Not much has changed. Oh. So let's dive in here. Can I say right now? I, I wish yeah. I knew you back in 2003 because <laughs> I, I just, I probably just. I'd probably hug and cry at the same time. <laughs> oh. oh, man. Nine out of ten. All right. Okay, let's do this. Let's do this. Let, 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 let's see what I gave on Litterbox, a one and a half out of five. And you go to nine oh, out of ten. So, God. come on. Good Wait, to you rated it that high? 
Oh, oh, I was being generous. What the fuck is going on right now? Oh, no. Oh, no. No, no. What? Yeah. I, I uh, yeah. No. So the film starts off really sweating? well. I'm sweating. I- <laughs> I'm sweating right now. I'm just saying. I'm going to have another sip of my beer. <laughs> A really, really long sip. <laughs> oh, boy. Wait, wait. Okay. Okay. Let me, let me say the – Okay. Back when I first saw this movie, when we rented it, yes. we mm-hmm. sat and watched the DVD menu all the way through. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And just to give you an idea of what I think of this movie, and this is the same holds true today, the DVD menu itself is more entertaining than the film. But anyway, continue. Yeah. What was I don't remember. I haven't seen. It's, I haven't it's Captain Spaulding telling you to. You know, he he's like, oh. hey, well, you know, he's talking about blah blah blah, and, he, right. and he, like if he he'll leave and then come back, and he's like, you're still fucking sitting on the goddamn menu. Pick something already, <laughs> and he walks off. Yeah, it, it, the menu is hysterical. Yeah, the because... whole cast filmed uh, scenes just for the DVD menus. That's when That's like awesome. DVD menu interactivity was a big thing when DVD mm-hmm. series came out. You know, so right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I I ended up having to get it through Netflix DVD, and because I don't own it, and yeah, that so it was like, oh, I remember this menu. The menu is great. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. It really is. Yeah, I mean, with I just don't know how you can't love a movie that has Sid Haig playing this this incredible Captain Spaulding. Sid Haig is the reason it gets a half a star. There's another reason it gets another half star later. Yes, he's oh, the man. best part of the film. <laughs> Well, I love the intro because it's like this black and white kind of uh, the the what like the white noise leads into it and everything, and you get this midnight movie host. Which, frankly, personally, I never really uh, spent time with a midnight movie host. The closest thing to it was when I used to watch at my uncle's house when I shouldn't have been was uh, like USA Up All Night. Well, this year. <laughs> But that's the closest thing I ever have to a midnight movie host. But I have I watched the documentary on them, so I um I can't remember what it's called, but it was really good and it was interesting. And I know people have a it hits people in in the right spot for you know nostalgia's sake. Yeah. Um, but it just gives you the idea of what we're kind of jumping into here. Um, and at the end with Captain Spaulding, his commercial, and it just eats the and it just just tastes so damn good. I mean, it's I love that. What a great way to start a film. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. In a Canada, there wasn't really much of a horror host um, okay. movement, I guess, like there was in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, I do recall in the early 2000s, um, Canada had a channel from Chorus called Scream. So it was, it was a movie or pardon me, it was a channel dedicated to like horrors, thrillers and things of that nature. Yeah. And so they would a lot of the stuff that they would air would be film, right? And Friday the 13th, the series reruns and stuff like that. Like the hitchhiker. Um, anyways, so hmm. when it came to movies, there was this one actress, uh, this uh, this woman who would ha- play three or four different personas before the film would start okay. and after the film okay. would end. And uh, you know, before the before we started recording tonight, I tried finding details on her, mm-hmm. and for some reason, I just couldn't find anything. Hmm. But I remember one of the characters she played was Nancy, which was like a British schoolgirl. Um, that's what I remember the most because she was actually, well, cute. She was yeah. very cute. And uh, she was funny. Like, oh. she was hilarious. But not like an Elvira hilarious. Mm-hmm. More of a, like, I know I'm playing a character. 
and I'm gonna I'm just gonna try to entertain you type of funny. You know, like, it wasn't like a winky campy thing. Okay. But at the same time, it kind of was, but just not to like Elvira's extent. It wasn't it wasn't made to be sexy, but she okay. was cute. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm assuming she's, uh, um, well, I think the, sh- the channel was based in Toronto. So I, I can only assume uh, she's still in the area. And maybe somebody uh, that I know on Facebook is knows her just because mm-hmm. of the maybe comedy roots and whatnot. Right. But uh, yeah, that's that's really my only, um, uh, my only big, uh, I guess, connection to like horror hosts. Gotcha. So that said. I love horror hosts. I think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the way that, you know, like at Cinema Wasteland, a lot of horror hosts actually go to the convention. Um, but I have no connection to it because it's just not something that really was in my childhood. More in my like early 20s and uh, and whatnot. So, yeah. Uh, long story short, uh, I, I can't really relate too much to horror hosts. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. yeah, like I said, I, I can I can't really relate to them, but I appreciate them, and I understand like why it's used here, why it's why Rob Zombie chooses that, yeah. because we're kind of gonna get that you know that grindhouse vintage type of uh, horror film here, mm-hmm. in a way at least. Did, did you know that uh, Zombie actually tried to do the horror hosting himself, and he had this world makeup ready for it. But I guess he still looked too much like Rob Zombie. So they got the guy who actually became the horror host on the movie to do the role. But he oh, originally wanted to do it himself. Huh. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So the opening scene here, you know, it's really all about Sid Haig as, as, as Captain Spaulding. And he, as I already mentioned, I mean, he's just brilliant. He is so f- damn funny. Um, the... Goddamn motherfucker got blood all over my best clown suit. I mean, the lines he has are just awesome. I think they're hilarious. Um, and and a lot of the lines in this are this intro are really good. Most of them coming from Captain Spaulding. Mm-hmm. And so I love that about it. But like him and the old guy he's kind of bullshitting with, I thought was humorous. Um, and then the random like what do you robbers, I guess, or whatever yeah. the hell. They run in and and hold up the place. I mean, it's just what a, I, I don't know. I love that scene. I thought it was an awesome way to start the film. Um, I mean, were you guys on board at this point? Y- yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because the film at this point, it felt like they were doing something new and kind of fresh. And it felt like, honestly, the opening sequence felt like Tarantino doing a horror film. <laughs> because yeah, it, it because Sid Haig's delivery and timing feels like Tarantino dialogue at this point in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, honestly, Sid Haig is the best part of the film because he's yeah. he's the humor of the movie, right? Um, like we don't know till later what his relationship is with everybody else in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't find him annoying. Like I remember finding him annoying in the next film. Um, but in this one, I thought he was bang on. Like I dug Captain Spaulding in Thousand Corpses by far. He is the beacon of light in this movie. Hmm. I completely forgot that Rain Wilson was in this film and I was so surprised to see him show up. I thought that was interesting as hell for me. Not just Rain Wilson, but the fucking nerdist. Is the other yeah. guy in the movie? Yeah. I completely forgot about that. He's yeah. the Doctor Satan, you know. Well, well yeah. I remember him from Singled Out. <laughs> okay, 
<laughs> so it was like when I first saw this, I'm like, it's the dude from Singled Out. What? <laughs> yeah, uh, like uh, just having Hardwick there. Like I, I knew it was somebody in the film, obviously mm-hmm. with with uh, with Rain Wilson. Um, I just I did not remember it was him. And then having, I think his girlfriend, she's the girl that was in um, in the one hour photo. Who I was having the affair with the dad. Oh, really? Yeah. So I remember watching one hour photo. I'm like, I know this this actress from somewhere. Huh. From I didn't know that. Corpses. I completely forgot about that. Interesting. Hmm. So going back to to Sid Haig, his in again, just his interaction with these kids was was so damn funny. I love that. Uh, you know, son, look around. Would I would I be surprised? Um, I just, he just fucks with them. He, he and when he sca- tries to scare them, um, that was really funny. And it was super uncomfortable because it, at, at any point, this motherfucker could have absolutely blown them up, blown them away, which I thought was really, really well done. Uh, mm-hmm. there was a level of tension there that I thought needed to be there. And I thought that was really good. It's funny between the interaction of Spalding and then with Rain Wilson's character, which his name was, if I go back here, uh, Wilson. Yeah. I didn't write down the cast list this time. Ah. Huh. Why the fuck is he so far down the cast list on IMDb? I know. That's what I was just looking. I had to like click to see more. Was it Bill. Adam? It was Bill. Okay. Um, during Because I listened. I watched the movie again today just for the commentary with Rob Zombie. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. honestly was really boring. Oh, um, that's weird. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of disappointed by that. Again, huh. first film, first commentary. I'm hoping it gets better as we go along. Right. Uh, but he just seemed like. Oh, uh, this is a story for another time. I'm like, well, why don't you tell the story now? It's yeah. commentary, you know, right. things like that. Um, but he found that the back and forth between uh, Rain and uh, Sid Haig, he found that Rain's character was flirting with Captain Spaulding. The way oh, okay. that his head was tilted. Yeah, he was a little bit, wasn't he? Right? It, it, was, it was very flirty. Yeah. And you could tell Spaulding kind of caught on to that and what yeah. that's i'm assuming that's why he got a little more aggressive until he was mm-hmm. joking but um zombie realized after they were editing i was like yeah he's he's flirting with him this is a little <laughs> too this isn't really the vibe i was going for but i still think it worked and honestly i i kind of got a little indication of flirting but until somebody actually said out loud now it kind of makes sense Right. You're like, now, now I, I see it, but, yeah. you know, I thought he was just being a little playful just to get, grab information from Spaulding because he's dressed up as a fucking clown, you yeah. know, about the place itself. Um, but so now, like, Zombie actually put a few seeds in my head, like, oh, maybe he was, uh, maybe he was closeted. Because this is hmm. based in, like, 77, where, you know, it's either you're in or you're out. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of people are hiding their sexuality. So... It's an interesting dynamic that I hadn't thought of when I first saw the film for the first uh, few times. So I just found that that that, that kind of interesting. So you say it was set in 1977. Is that did, did they say that at any point? Wasn't there a a, a, a timestamp on the, in the film? I'm pretty sure there was. Really? Because I, I completely missed that. Am I completely out to lunch and think of something else? Because I was, uh, that's actually a note I made that I was not sure what year this is. I thought they never gave a specific year. Even when you're looking at like the wanted posters or whatever, it it doesn't, it lists a date like November 9th or whatever. I don't know what the day was, but whatever. It lists a day and month, but not a year. Yeah. And so I thought that was interesting because 
it obviously feels like a 70s film and all of the the kind of cliches that we get from 70s horror films are present here yeah to make it even feel like a 70s film even more but i'm looking at i'm at uh, wikipedia yeah the plot first line on october 30th 1977 huh okay yeah so uh I'm sure I didn't make up that that time, but uh, maybe maybe I just hit it on the nose. I don't know. To me, it felt like a '70s film, but I'm pretty sure they put the the, the year on it. But I could be wrong. Honestly, but, uh, I don't remember. They very well could have. I may have looked down while I was typing or something yeah. and just missed it. I don't know, but um, yeah. So that's interesting. Okay, so that that clears that up at least. Mm-hmm. So I love when they go on this tour. Mm-hmm. We see kind of the start of the way that Rob Zombie is going to use color in this film, which I think is one of the best aspects of the film it is is his use of color. It's, uh, you know, bright colors, jarring colors. He's in a dark tunnel and, you know, where the, the kids are taking this tour. But yet we get all of this color, these blues, these reds. I mean, it's so interesting to look at. Uh, it, it just makes for an interesting picture at least you know he does he just does really well with the cinematography there i think well honestly this whole movie is one long music video <laughs> that, that's what was in my mind the whole time like i'm watching one long version of dragula or mm-hmm. anything else that he's done like you know it just it just feels like one of his music videos the way right it's well i mean you, you, all you can do is play on your influences right and that's yeah. where his influences are obviously from especially at this point but because he's a very theatrical guy, you know, he's in the same vein mm-hmm. of Alice Cooper, you know, right. and, uh, you know, David Bowie and theatrical and awesome, like, you know, uh, concert presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is his first movie. So obviously he's going to, he's going to kind of fall back on what he knows and exactly. what people probably expect of him. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I can't fault him for that, you know? Right. Um, I, I, I know he, <sighs> Okay, I'm going to stick to that. Just, you can't fault him for that. Um, I don't want to go too far advanced in his filmography because we're not there yet, but. Yes, yeah, right, yeah. I, I, I do find, you know, this, this really, like, first thing that came to mind was this is an, a long version of Dragula. <laughs> See, frankly, I, I was never, a Rob, I never really listened to Rob Zombie, never seen any of his videos, so that didn't hit me that way, but I can definitely see the. Like you're saying, that music video influence there is obvious just from other videos I've seen in the past. Oh, just from like my college years, his <laughs> like I'm not a big white zombie fan to begin with, mm-hmm. um, but like his hits got overplayed so much on the radio. And like mm-hmm. anytime I go watch much music, which is a Canadian MTV, oh, Drago okay. is always on. Like he he oh. got overplayed like crazy. He got saturated in the in the media, and. Uh, you know, you couldn't turn a corner and, you know, you get hit by Rob Zombie imagery wherever I was going. So, yeah. <laughs> See, that's- my, my area, they weren't – the area I live in is kind of more kind of laid back and more conservative. Like, they're just now playing, like, Rob Zombie and White Zombie regularly on the radio. Really? Yeah, because – Because it's retro also, now. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's classic rock now, technically, yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, so I didn't get all that exposure, but I loved White Zombie and Rob Zombie, his music when when it came out and stuff. I loved his stuff, like his remixes, everything. I I bought everything, but but it wasn't overplayed here. So, (laughs) you know, if I wanted to listen to it, I had to play it. So, 
Now, I want, I want to make a guess, and I could be absolutely wrong, but I just I feel like this is probably a point where you, too, will, will differ from me and it probably has a, a great deal to do with what your overall thoughts on the film were. What did you think of Sherry Moon Zombie's performance? Hate baby? her in this film. Oh, my God. <sighs> I, I think visually she's, she's beautiful. Yeah, um, absolutely. I just can stand the high-pitched voice. Yes. And especially... The laugh. Oh, my God. Every time yeah. she laughs, I want to gouge my ears out. I, I kept thinking of, like, the next, like, Devil's Rejects, and I keep hear her saying, tootie fucking fruity. And I'm like, ugh. Well, see, I, but I, I... See, I've only seen Devil's Rejects once. Okay. And I saw it this either this year or last year when it f- hit Netflix. Because uh, I had actually avoided it like the plague because of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, no, I'm not even going to bother with it. Um, and uh, and I, I thought she was much better in that than in this. But she was still really annoying. Yeah. She- um, it, her best performance, I think, by far is in Halloween. She's great in Halloween. But she's just she's the, the mom, right? Just the straight character. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. She can act. It's just she can't act crazy because <laughs> it just doesn't work. It's just like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I can't talk about Halloween because I just don't remember the films. Um, so like when we watch them, we'll be like watching them over for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I can't say I'm a big fan of hers, um, especially this movie, just because of the she's she's very cartoony. And her character is batshit crazy, you know. Um, but at the same time, she's kind of cool up until she gets rejected by Rain's character. Right. When he doesn't succumb to her flirtations, mm-hmm. that's where she kind of cranks it up to 11. Yeah. And you know what? That's not even true. It's not even to 11. Uh, that's where she crescendos, I guess, with her character. And yeah, it's it's just it's it's the high pitchiness of the voice. It kind of reminds me of um, remember Batman the animated series, and there was that character Baby Doll. Oh yeah, <laughs> it the makes me think of was the the well the woman who was yes. stuck as a little girl. Yeah, yeah it, it makes me think of that character, you know. And uh, no. yeah, um, so again, I, I don't hate her performance. I think I don't like her performance once she puts on Rain Wilson's glasses. <laughs> And then she just goes nuts. Yeah, see, that's why I figured. Like, I, I, I liked her in this a lot. Like, I feel like she's purposely playing this over-the-top character, mm-hmm. and she sticks with it the entire time. Even if, even before she goes, you know, like you said, after the glasses, you know, I think she does a really good job at the beginning because she's literally trying to lure them in, essentially trying to gain their trust. Yeah, and then. And then is able to, you know, get them in the house and that's where things take off. Um, and I love when she does the the dancing with like the lip syncing, uh, lip singing rather. I thought, you know, it's just such a crazy moment. And then it just kind of takes off from there. Um, it so, felt very burlesque to me. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Which I liked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I can really remember from the next film is, which we won't talk much about, but is just the dance. That's, I loved the dance. Oh, I don't remember the dance. Okay. I I'm, I'm, I'll probably start watching it tonight. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I only recall some scenes of the film, to be honest with you. Right. Yeah. I've only seen the next one. I've only seen it once in theaters. 
Um, I won't tell you what my rating is on that for for that one until next week. But okay, <laughs> um, yeah. So, but when she gets in the car, it. I mean, obvious. Okay, the first time I noticed it was when she got in the car. Of how reminiscent this whole thing is to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. I mean, it, it is. I mean, it's just so much like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's almost insane. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there are differences, um, big differences, but it's just so clearly out of that world that yeah. Toby Hooper created, you know? Mm-hmm. I think the big difference for me is uh, the Texas Chainsaw feels like a slasher film. This feels more like the torture porn that was coming out around the same time, at least to me. Yeah, I would agree with yeah. that. This definitely does not feel like a slasher film to me at all. It's definitely more torture porn. Um, it's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the torture porn version, you know? Yeah. But Bill Mosley, though, I think is so fucking good in this. Is um, who is from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is when he comes into that series. Yeah. Um, but goddamn, just his, his own incoherent rambling, it just is so uh just frightening uh the way he kind of in embodies that what i think of at least is kind of like that anti-government uh redneck who you know is just all about death uh it's just he does it so well he just likes to hear himself talk mm-hmm. you know yeah. it's like okay enough i i don't know i his character really annoyed me. I thought he looked awesome. Oh, the makeup was fantastic. Yes. Especially with his eyes all red and bloodshot because he hasn't yep. slept. I right. thought that was really cool. But this whole, you know, the ranting about the government and people, you know, not being themselves. Da, 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 I just, I, I just couldn't. You know, to a point where you zone out. I'm like, okay, are you done talking? Next scene, please. You know? I don't know. It didn't nearly go on long enough for me to kind of need to tone it out. Really? Like it wasn't an overly long thing, I don't feel like. Oh, I don't know. I, it, yeah, I'm, I could go either way on it. I mean, it was... It was nice to kind of get this establishment that this guy is fruity in a different kind of way, you know, but I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I could go either way with it. I, I like uh, Bill Mosley anyway as an mm-hmm. actor. Um, he's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I think he's a lot of fun. So I, I like and I like his voice. So, <laughs> you know, he could talk for a while if he wanted to. But you know, it as far as being in the character, though, that was kind of interesting. I think he's more interesting later on, though. When he's got the kids or he's got the girlfriend in the chair and he's going to show her the merboy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's a lot more interesting in that scene than this one, though. Yeah, definitely. I, I would agree with that there. I mean, it, and it it can't be glossed over, I think, how impeccable the makeup effects are in this and the gore effects. Um if you look at that, the merman or the merboy, whatever the mm-hmm. hell they called it, uh, I mean, it's just what fish a boy. F- fish boy. I think is what they actually call them. I, yeah, I prefer what the a term fish thing. person myself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it looks so good and just so fucking weird. Uh, and then, like you were talking about, the the makeup effects on Otis are just amazing um, th- throughout the entire thing. It's just they did such a great job with that aspect of the film. Yeah. The other the other thing I really loved is when she's under the ground 
walking through there. Yes. The the corpses part wasn't necessarily, it was spooky. Mm-hmm. But when she opens that set of doors and that room is made out of the bones of the people. Right. That looks amazing. Yeah, definitely. And it, it, the set design in this and for that part of the movie was fantastic. They mm-hmm. did a great job with that. And I like the effects. The effects work is good. It's just, I don't know. This, this Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. I like the they were kind of like flashes that Rob Zombie would put in out of nowhere. Like the character be talking this one, it flashes to like basically what felt like a video, like home video of the characters, um, which yeah. looked like it was sh- shot with like an eight millimeter camera or something along those lines, which also gave me the seventies feel. Yeah. I, I didn't like those. Um, me neither. It actually gave me a headache uh, this time around when I was watching it. Um, by the time we were, I was done watching this. I was so mentally exhausted. I went to bed. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, yeah, I'm done. I'm going to bed (laughs) Uh, about an hour and a half earlier than I normally do. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know it. I think I would have liked those maybe like during like the end credits or kind of like kind of chunked together a little bit someplace else. Like maybe one of the characters stumbled across them or something as opposed to spliced in because spliced in, I mean like the whole movie kind of feels like a really long music video anyway, but that just hammers that home. Like even say, more, you know, it's just yeah. like, uh, it's like, that's definitely a, a point you could, an aspect you could point to for Mark, your argument about it feeling like a long music video. Yeah. No, that, that, the thing is, you know, like, and plus it was splicing like old school universal horror films as well in the film. Mm-hmm. And I just don't like, why? Like, why do that? Why have, you know, a Wolfman clip? Uh, the Munsters clip I understand because grandpa was watching it with Otis. Mm-hmm. But it, it just, some, some of the clips, I just, I just don't understand why you would just splice them into your film. I know it's only for a few seconds. Uh, but I, I don't get what you're trying to do because you're trying to do like a 70s horror film, but then you're putting films like from the 30s in it. I, I, I just don't get it. Well, I don't. I didn't have a problem with that, I guess. I mean, uh, you know, these I, are. I, I'm, nit- I'm nitpicking just because I just don't enjoy the film as much mm-hmm. as others uh, in a discussion here have. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know. I just it, it just it didn't it just didn't feel right to me. Like I, I'm not trying to do this this groundhousey feel to it, mm-hmm. and they've succeeded to much of an extent, mm-hmm. but it's just and then you just splice in those other films for no reason whatsoever that I'm aware of. So yeah, that kind yeah. Of I guess I mean I don't have a, a reason why he did it. I guess yeah. Um, it kind of just harkens back to the intro where you get that old black and white footage with yeah. the. Uh, you know, the horror host, and it just kind of felt along those same lines, which is kind of what tied it together for me, I guess. And I was hoping he'd mention the reason why he did it in the commentary, but he did yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I loved Tiny's introduction. So Tiny oh, God, is obviously yes. this giant man, and he walks in, and, and the shot of all four of them just staring up at the camera in awe with all the candles on the table, I thought was just a really, really good shot. Well, just Tiny looks creepy to begin with. The makeup they nope, had yeah. on the actor was awesome. The uh, the Mask. wardrobe he wore, <laughs> yeah, very scary character. Like, and plus, how tall he is, you oh know. Oh my god! And it's funny how he had, you know, people like. So you've got Baby, you've got Otis, you've got a giant like Tiny, 
mm-hmm. and then you've got like the aborted fetuses in the uh, <laughs> in 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 the jars, you know, right? It goes from like one extreme to another. <laughs> but now, so one of the no- things I loved about Tiny, yeah. Um, Later on, when he comes down, I just thought of this, I, and I would forget otherwise, so I'm, I'm mentioning it. When he comes down to, and he lets that girl go, did you yeah. guys catch? Did you guys catch the cereal name he was eating? Yeah, yes. so I got the Christie, the Krispies. I loved it. Yeah, yes. broke down the need to get those. <laughs> I have to admit, him eating cereal is something I probably won't forget for a long time. <laughs> oh no! But I, yeah, the Agathy Krispies though that just that killed me. <laughs> he needs a bitter spoon. I know. Yes, or a bigger mouth. One or the other. <laughs> I love when Otis catches her as she's running. And he she th- he throws her in the like jail cell or whatever, and he turns and looks at Tiny, and Tiny just shrugs his shoulders like, "Oh well." I thought that Tiny was hilarious. Is, is a lover, you know. He mm-hmm. wants to love these girls. He's not a fighter, you know. Right. Plus, he's probably too slow to catch him, anyways. But you know. <laughs> Grandpa is another character I thought was just enjoyable to watch. He cracked me up. He's so over the top again, yeah. um, but I love that about him. And then his jokes uh, before the, the you know the start of Showtime, I guess. Um, it's just I don't know, just so ridiculous. See, I, that's what I didn't like. I didn't like Grandpa oh, at all. He was yeah. so over oh the top, God. and he was gross. And yeah, yes. yeah. Ugh. I, I I just did not find the. Humor I like his look. I liked his look. I was yeah. I didn't up. like the character. Uh, oh, he uh, also gives a mean middle finger. Like he's got yeah, he fucking, does. It's vertical. It's fast. Uh, it's like it's like a, it's like a whip. It's but uh, yeah, I I just I don't like him. I didn't. <laughs> and that's his last role. Oh, really? That's something that I've, uh, I realized uh, because it, it's funny. Uh, uh, one of the people uh, I'm friends with on Facebook. Was mm-hmm. talking about how they're watching an old SummerSlam and that half the roster has passed away. Oh yeah, and it's the same way with this with this film. So mm-hmm. many people from this film have passed. It, it kind of made me sad. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got Karen Black. She passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, Grandpa, uh, unfortunately, I don't have his name right in front of me here. Uh, he passed uh, Dennis away. Temple. There, yes, Dennis Temple. Um, he actually died before they released the movie because yes. they filmed this in 2000 and he died in 2002. Yeah. Hmm. And you got the guy who played Tiny, Matthew McGroggy. He passed away. Oh, wow. Um, I believe Erwin Keyes passed away as well. Uh, yeah, he hmm. passed away actually in 2015. Um, as well, Tom Tolls passed away. I was like, fuck, what a Jeez. downer. Such a great cast. But right. yeah, you know, like. Uh, yeah, like half the half the main cast in this film, they've succumbed uh, to death, you know. So it's it's you know you can't really think that way, but that that's something that crossed my mind while I'm watching. Like, damn, they they most of them are dead now, you know. Hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it is sad. I'm a downer, folks. <laughs> oh man, they they oh they they recast. Mother, uh, Mother Firefly, and in, in House of and uh, Devil's Rejects. I didn't realize that. Leslie, Leslie Easterbrook. She's uh, Callahan. Uh, is it Callahan from uh, Police Academy? Uh, you know the, the busted blonde yes. that Gutenberg yes, goes for in the first one. Yep, yeah, she was Lieutenant Callahan. Yeah, yeah. She's <laughs> playing. She plays uh, Mother Firefly in number two, or in uh, Devil's why. Rejects. Yeah. I wonder why. I wonder why they recast her because uh, Karen Black was still alive. Yeah, but apparently she's a bit of a handful sometimes. 
from what I've heard. Oh, okay. And I met her. Well, met her. I I wanted to meet her uh, back in 2007 for at the Festival of Fear, one of the mm-hmm. first conventions I ever went to. And I was waiting in line um, for a table that was beside hers. And she's well, honestly, she sounded fucking nuts. <laughs> so I didn't eventually <laughs> go in her line. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've heard she was a handful. And that's why she, she had some demands for the next film. And uh, mm-hmm. they had to recast the role. Huh. Oh. Which hopefully will be discussed in a commentary. <laughs> or not. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. So another moment in this movie that I really loved was when the the group of kids are getting ready to leave and they have to get out and go to the fence to open the gate or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we see the kind of like what is basically the scarecrow, the the guy hanging there as a as a scarecrow. And then he turns and looks at them and jumps down. I thought that was a really creepy moment that I loved in this movie. Um, and then Tiny also is there. So it's Otis and Tiny. I thought, man, just... Just really creepy. I thought that was shot really effectively. Now, if I was Rain Wilson's character, I would have mm-hmm. busted through that gate with the car. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would, especially after Baby it kind of slams against the car door. Right. Hey, you know what? I think this has elevated. We should maybe leave right away. I am not going <laughs> to stop to unlock a gate or open the doors. I'm going to go through it. <laughs> My life is worth more than the front fender. <laughs> At least I hope so. You think? Uh, it's, it's hard to tell, really. Oh, I man. I you that well. say yes pretty fucking quick. <laughs> oh, fail the friend test, dude. <laughs> oh, man. I love the music in this film. It's, it is in such juxtaposition to, like, the terror that the family's committing. And, and I love that about it. I'll be honest. I don't really think I paid too much attention to the music, just because it all sounded very Rob Zombie-ish, like White, White Zombie. So yeah, there was a, a good number of Rob Zombie films in there. So as for the musical for the cues and other subtle nods, can't say that I really took note of those. Hmm. I I noted it did feel like Rob Zombie stuff, and I I took note of that, but I couldn't tell you which songs they were or anything. So yeah, no, me either. I was shocked to see, uh, I don't have his name in front of me, the sheriff um, from Django Unchained. Uh, the sh- oh, no, you mean, uh, you, you mean, uh, shit. Um, yes, the awesome guy. Um, yes. Walter Goggins. Yes, yes, thank you, Walter Goggins. Yes. He, he was, I thought he was really good in this too. I mean, he he's was- playing a very similar character, I, I feel like, just his attitude wise at least, but. Him and really Tom good. Tolles are two oh. other really good characters in this film. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if if they had given us more of him investigating this, I think I probably would like this movie a little bit more. Me too. Or of them actually having an actual stand against the family. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they just they go out like chumps, unfortunately. Well, but, well, uh, uh Goggins' character does. Uh, yeah. I think Tolls, he, you know, he just gets blindsided by it and gets right. shot right in the head. But yeah. for some reason, I thought these guys were in Devil's Rejects. I didn't remember them in this huh? film. Okay. Because honestly, my favorite scene in the movie is when Otis has uh, Goggins' character. Uh, oh. what, what's what's his name? I'm trying to find it here. Yeah. Uh, and Nash. I thought it was Steve Nash. And he has, well, first of all, you know, like he drops his gun. Mm-hmm. No cop would do that. And even Zombie mentioned in his uh, 
in his uh, commentary. I'm like, this guy was just, you know, he was he was a blowhard. He was a big talker. When it came mm-hmm. to action, he would, you know, he would faint. You know, he'd be like a fainting goat. So right. him dropping his gun and then goes on his knees and just a scene of Otis having the gun to his head mm-hmm. and then no sound. Yep. And just the scene holding with nothing happening until he gets executed. Man, that was powerful. That was probably my favorite scene just because it made such an impact. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is the scene that, I mean, once I saw that scene in theaters, I never forgot that scene in this, in like since then. Yeah. It is undoubtedly one of my favorite shots I have ever seen. Mm-hmm. Period. Full stop. I think it is so fucking brilliant. So that whole thing. So it's absolutely one of the best parts of the entire film. So they open the barn door in slow motion. Then this old like country western song starts playing, yeah. and which leads to the start of the massacre. And, and it culminates, as I you know, wrote down with one of my favorite shots as well in, in any film, regardless of genre. Um, I've never ever forgotten that shot. I mean, it's just the silence, the overhead shot. I mean, it's like 15, 20 seconds of silence as the song ends. And then the slow motion, the, the smoke coming out of the back of his head and he falling to the ground. I mean, it, it just the balls it takes to add so much stillness and quiet mm-hmm. in a horror film like this. I mean, get out of fucking town, man. Yeah. I absolutely love it. it. It was just as good, if not better, this time around. It's like It is a, absolutely one of my favorites. As an audience member, you actually hold your breath for the duration mm-hmm. of the scene. Yep. You know? Uh, yeah, it's very powerful. I remember seeing it in theaters and it was dead silent as it was happening. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's that's rare, you know? So uh, it was it was amazing. There's nothing like a good gasp moment in a horror mm-hmm. film. You know? Right. Like, that's your crescendo and then the film kind of resets itself mm-hmm. for the yeah. next one, you know? Mm-hmm. I loved um, a little bit before this one, Spalding comes out and the cops go to his place. <laughs> He's wearing a pig's his beautiful shirt. <laughs> I just thought that was fucking hilarious. Yeah, I mean, it's so stupid. All the clothes he wore, all those shirts, they're vintage yeah. shirts from the 70s that they found in thrift stores that would oh. that they found would fit the character. That's awesome. As, as awesome as Spalding is, I would never eat his chicken. That man <laughs> is filthy. Right. He is a filthy man that probably does really not shower very often. <laughs> oh man and i loved um nash's uh cop uh the the cocker spaniel story uh i just <laughs> thought that was really funny i mean i, I just love that rob Zombie was able to fit all this humor in even while this just horrific thing these horrific things are going on he you know he's able to stick to it and, and it works the, a lot of the the humor hit for me i enjoyed it so Baby may have been annoying, which frankly, I, I love the character, but um, you have to agree that outfit she was wearing when she went to uh, Red Hot Pussy Liquors <laughs> and talked with Goober. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that scene. It was so stupid, but it, I, was, I was cracking up. According to commentary, that was the first scene that she shot for the film. Oh, okay. And apparently everybody was on set to watch her. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah, Exactly. Gotta love it. Yeah, you know, like, like she's a beautiful woman. You know, oh, no like, doubt. Like she, she's she's great. But I just don't find her that great of an actress. Oh, like she, I'll disagree. She's but... like actress by association. You know what I mean? Like if it wasn't for her husband directing, would she mm-hmm. be cast? 
No. I, right? No. Absolutely not. For this movie, no. <laughs> I, I didn't agree with that. I I think she's she's cast by association. Yeah. Wow. Nothing against her at all. Um, I mean, like Ash, I think she shows off her stronger acting chops later on in in, in this retrospective, mm-hmm. but we'll get to that later. Um, but in terms of this film, I think she has a very specific idea of what she's doing with the character and sticks to it 100% of the time, which is uh, is as good as I could want, I guess. Yeah. So toward the end here, Otis, he 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 cuts the girl's father's face off. And then wears it as a mask while saying, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? I mean, it does not get much more fucked up than that. What a what a moment that was. I, I, I do have to give them credit. That was some of the best makeup effects work or prosthetic yeah. effects work. Because it still looked like his face. It right. Like I know. Ryan. It was, what'd you say? It looked like Prevent Ryan. Because he's the old Saving Private Ryan. You know Saving Private Ryan? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And which kind of fucked me up because I thought the the guy who played the old Private Ryan in Saving Private Ryan was a because I'm stupid. I thought he was a legit guy, <laughs> and Spielberg brought him <laughs> for the fucking movie. I'm like, what is he doing in House of Thousand Corpses? <laughs> what is Private Ryan? Uh, yeah. This That's is before the internet, people. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, Nobody knew anything yeah, back then. You know. I had dial-up. Yeah, right. Man. And then Otis, right before they go into the next scene, he lifts the mask off and says, it's all true. The boogeyman is real and you found him. I thought that was a really well-delivered, creepy line. Uh, We kind of talked a little bit about the end here, but uh, like you said, the the set pieces were really, really incredible. Uh, One thing I'll I'll ask you, though, Mm -hmm. and I'm not sure because it's kind of hit me when uh, the girl runs away and baby chases after her. Who who were you rooting for at this point, or who are we supposed to root for? Do you think? Honestly, at this point, you're rooting for the Firefight Clan. You're not rooting. Those girls were so annoying, and they were yeah. rude. Like when Baby's <laughs> doing her, her little burlesque, you know, like Showtime scene. Right. The girl gives like the, the girl calls her a slut and a skank, and then like before that, she, she sticks out her tongue. Mm-hmm. Who does that? Like, you're not happy with something? Act your <laughs> fucking age. Rain mm-hmm. Wilson is going to drop you for Captain Spaulding in a heartbeat. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, at, at this point, you're rooting for the girls to die. No, I was, no, I was I, rooting for the family. Yeah, me too. I, I wasn't rooting for the family. I was rooting for the girl because it, it just, she's been put through hell. And I was just hoping she would get it. But, un- but she yeah, was an obnoxious just- bitch before she was put through hell. Yeah, unlike yeah the but obnoxious bitch or not, <laughs> you, you put somebody through that and then, you know, not root for them. I'm sorry. I just feel like we didn't learn enough about that, about her, about any of the, those characters to care enough yeah, about well, them. That's the, the other thing, characters. though, too. You stick, a, you stick a girl who's dating somebody in a situation with a girl who's acting like baby. She's going to act bitchy because she's not going to like her, you know, her boyfriend getting trod upon that. And he was and he was reacting to baby in a not so subtle way. So, yeah, both the guys were. The guys were resisting because of their loyalty to the girls. But the girls need to rise above 
and not lower themselves to baby's level. No, to no, 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 no. Because if it was a guy doing that and dancing and he was hitting on the girls like that and the guy flipped out, it would be okay. So no, I don't agree with that. I just found, unlike like, you know, Texas Chainsaw where you're rooting for the, for the girl because everybody in the van, apart from the kid in the wheelchair was likable. Um, in this one, <laughs> I found Rain Wilson was likable. He gets killed right away. Mm-hmm. Chris Hardwick. I know. I was surprised he got killed so quickly. Me too. Uh, Chris Hardwick's character, he was likable because I could relate to him the most. And he got mm-hmm. uh, you know, he got fucking brutalized. Uh, the two girls, right. they're unlikable from the start. There was not one scene where they were likable in this movie. Yeah, I think they're they are, you know, kind of just poorly written in that sense. Yeah, that in that sense, they are poorly written. But right. yeah, because they, I don't know. I think, I think they were trying to make them the annoyed girlfriends too much. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I could be totally relate to them though, you know, having to ride along in this and they just drag me out to that. Really? You know, come on. You know what they should do? And they're tired. Well, they were trying else. to. At the beginning, they were, what they would think at least is that they were, the family was trying to help them. Yeah. Yeah. What, what those well, girls need maybe, to do. But- they need to hashtag rise above. <laughs> oh my god! So yeah, I think I see. I think though, in my position, in my position, even in their position though too, I, I would there would be red flags going off all over the place. It's like no, this is fucking creepy. We need to leave as soon as possible. You know, no fucking shows, no nothing. Let's just go. Okay. Well, yeah, but it's a horror film. I, I mean, you got to have, I have a there. question for you. All right. So w- one of the, the one of the brothers did shoot the tire that gave him the flat to bring him to the house. Mm-hmm. Now, if Chris Hardwick's character wouldn't have insulted and not insulted, but just made a joke at Mother Firefly. Do you think oh, they yeah. would have left the house unscathed? Because they did fix the car. No. They did, like, the car ha- was fixed, right? So they did fix the yeah, problem. But if they didn't make fun of Mother Firefly at the beginning there, I think they would have been able to leave the house. In the, in I don't the, think so, though, because why would they have shot the tire yeah, in the first place? To give him a chance. I think, you know, this. The, you're at a crossroads now. Are you going to, you know, uh, are you going to insult the family? Or are you just going to go along until your car is fixed? Like, honestly... See, I don't know. I don't. I don't know because of the. And the only reason I said it is because of the cheerleaders. Yeah. But um, they made made a right. same bad decision the as as the family did. They they made fun of Mother Firefly. We're like, oh, are you laughing at us because we're we're you know we're we're rural folk? If they would embrace maybe that side, maybe they would have survived. But the cheerleaders got like kidnapped after a football game. Like I feel like they weren't even. Yeah, see, I don't, we don't, I don't know. Well, yeah, but I don't know if they got kidnapped or they weren't they riding home in the same car or something like that. I don't know. I just remember the like news bulletin was talking about how they. I don't remember the details of it. Yeah. But I just think that they did have their fate. Um, Like they they could have decided their own fates. And I think because they tried to make jokes and insulted their hosts, that's where things turned um, for the worst. But again, that's just something I thought of while I'm watching the movie. Maybe they were fucked right. from the get go, but I still think yeah. they had a chance to get there alive, to leave there alive. That's an interesting theory. Um, I never got that uh, that same okay. feeling, but I could definitely see where you're coming from. 
Yeah, see, I see. I got the impression they were like hunting for some for sport for Halloween. That's what I thought too. Yeah, yeah. But, but at the same time, it's had a lot of left, like a lot of alive leftovers from previous, you know, catches. I guess you know, he had all the girls in Tiny's uh, in Tiny's uh, cage. Then he sold some cheerleaders upstairs until well, they took you know until they killed them quick so they can kill this these guys. Um, so they still yeah. had like live prey in the house. True. I don't know. Yeah, I you can kind of I guess you could kind of interpret that either yeah. way. It's yeah. a, I I do think that him screwing around didn't help them any though. Mm-hmm. No, it didn't. It didn't. And, but it was trying to be funny, trying to keep the the mood light and it just, you know, you right. have to know your audience, right? Yeah, I didn't think he was even being an asshole at that point, really, and they just took it in such a well, way. That's the thing. He I don't think he was right. either. But again, yeah. knowing your audience, you know, one wrong right. turn of phrase and they're going to mm-hmm. they're going to boo you. Right. So and that's exactly. what happened here. She got offended. And sometimes you can't just say sorry. Uh, that's too late, you know. Right. So when they're being lowered into the well and they have that like stereo thing with them, recorder with them, and they're it's like playing chanting. I mean, the movie, the movie turns supernatural at this point. Right. I didn't think mm, so. No. no? No, so I think, I think, uh, I think all those people were Doctor Satan's experiments. Like they lower the people down in there, and then they're taken to Doctor Satan to be experimented on. Oh, he does say that Doctor Satan was basically trying to make like living zombies, right, or something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, or well, like the living like superhumans, I think, or something like that. Yeah, okay. I wouldn't supernatural. I think I would say maybe more religious, just because this was like a, um, it's a. Um, Oh shit! I can't think of the word, but it's a ceremony. You know, he's yeah, dropping right. Doctor Satan and the professor some new some new subjects. You know, they had the, the right. creepy chanting, like that chanting was creepy. And you know, mm-hmm. you Definitely. had the Otis dressed in corpse paint, kind of remind me of the singer of Ghost, yeah. and he had the red robe. Mm-hmm. So this was more ceremonial <laughs> than supernatural. Yeah, I would agree with that. What did you guys think of Doctor Satan? Not enough screen time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think the other thing that really bothered me at this point is he started using, like, the negative image all over the place for some of this stuff. I like I that. I, That's I, cool. I, I don't know. It, it, I think it's too easy to do in, like, effects work yeah. <laughs> just because I've got a, a thing in graphic design. So it's just like, yeah, I can take this in Photoshop and just reverse it. Done. You know, mm-hmm. no work at all. It, it just, I don't know. That that bothered me. I don't know if he was doing that, though, to get around the ratings. See, I could see them doing that. Oh. Look, it's negative image. We, we're not actually showing the blood, you know, right. type of thing. But I don't know. That that kind of bothered me. But, I, yeah, I don't think he got enough screen time. It it almost feels like this last bit like was rushed. Like maybe it was longer and they cut a good chunk of it well, yeah, or, was, or if they'd uh, run out of money and he just yeah, filmed yeah. what he could. Well, they were, the feeling they were running out of money and time, but zombie did mention in his uh, commentary that they were debating uh, or I guess the first idea was that grandpa was Dr. Satan and oh. that the actual Dr. Satan myth or legend was just that a myth. Um, and then decided to go in, in what we saw on screen. Now, what I didn't really get until I watched with commentary mm-hmm. is I thought the professor, the guy chasing um, the final girl in this film, was the Dr. Satan. I didn't know who the professor was. I didn't know the professor's name until the commentary itself. 
Um, I thought the Dr. Satan that we saw that was kind of hooked up to this, you know, like his arms are kind of so being supported by something to the roof. Like an octopus looking yeah. thing. I thought that was more of a minion. And I thought Dr. Satan was the actual guy pursuing. But that was even the fact that Dr. Satan was no the guy. Shit. Yeah, Dr. Satan was the octopusy guy. And Dominion was the guy chasing the girl. Huh. Which, you know, I never knew that either. I always wondered that because I wasn't sure. Well, there was no mention of him uh, up until so, we saw it. I'm like, who's this fucker? You know? Yeah. Huh. Interesting. See, I think I think at that point they should have had some kind of dialogue or something with her. Mm-hmm. And between him, like a moment other than hi, you know, get her. And yeah. it just kind of it's very abrupt. I don't well, know. I, I think Satan's very old, so he had like he had like a oxygen mask on. And then mm-hmm. the other guy, I don't know what the fuck was going on with his face, but then he just started, you know, throwing up all that mucus. So right. I don't know if chat was even possible, but that could be too, I remember yeah. the first time watching this being so confused. I'm like, what the fuck's happening? Yeah, and I think that's true even now like it's just kind of a weird ending and i i don't like that um like the ceiling caves in on him and that's basically the end of it that's one thing i don't like that was that was my nitpick with this the ceiling falling in on him looks fake as fuck yeah and it doesn't even look like it actually clobbers him when he goes down it just looks like it fell and then he dropped and it's like, and then there's like this big open empty space where he could still have been standing. And I'm mm-hmm. like, really? Okay. But now you know, maybe they only had the one take to do it in or something. And they just had mm-hmm. to go with what they had. But it just, I, that just, I, I had to resist from laughing. I'm like, oh, come on. You guys were doing so well with the effects up to this point. But <laughs> at the same time, I don't think he died because, you know, the final few uh, shots of the film is her back in uh in oh, was Dr. Satan. yeah so yeah. is that just you know a dream or is that actually reality did she actually escape we don't know for sure well if she's back with dr satan dr satan is not the thing not who the ceiling fell in on yeah, but you see a you see a glimpse of the professor that other thing that had the ceiling fell on him oh yeah. okay. he's there as well so we don't know I what's real and what's fake any, or what's oh, what's a dream anymore we don't know exactly what the right. perspective of the film is yeah, you know. Now I'm assuming she did get away and got caught by Spalding, and then with Otis, because then Otis and Spalding are on a road trip together in the next movie, right? Right. Um, yeah. So that obviously did happen because that's our link from Spalding to the Firefly family. Um, mm-hmm. But now is she like is she dead? Dead? Because like Otis looked like he was going to stab her to death. So is she dead, or is she just subdued enough so that Satan can experiment on her? That's where the movie kind of ends and lets you, you know, decide your own conclusions. Right. Yeah. And, and the other, the other aspect I didn't like is that is her as our final girl. I just, I don't like the character. I don't know enough about the character to care about her. I, I, I didn't give a shit if she lived or died. And I think you need to care when it's your final girl like that. Well, and that's the other thing. The, none of the four are really developed all that well. Yeah. Right. I mean, what do we know about the two guys other than the fact that they're writing a book and they dig horror? Mm-hmm. Nothing. Exactly. Enough in my yeah, book so that they're awesome. A, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's definitely but, about the Firefly family. Yeah. yeah. Which is why I think that's who we're rooting for. We're not well, all of us, obviously. But. We're meant to root for anyway. I yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Even though the girl's dad dies after trying to search for her, you still root for the Fireflies. Mm-hmm. So it shows you how much yeah, she, like, she's a despicable character. Were they uh, ever called the Firefly family in this film? Or is that introduced in the next movie? 
Well, they're listed, they're credited as Mother Firefly. Okay. Gotcha. Because I never heard well, that actually she's said. She's the only one with the name. Yeah. yeah. Mother Firefly. But she's the only one with the last name. Yeah. Because everybody else, it's uh, it's only a, 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 a Their first a name. name. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So, all right. So let's talk about our, our final thoughts and our final rating here. Ash, we'll start with you. <sighs> I still hate this movie. Um, it, it had potential and then it just feels like a retread of Texas Chainsaw Massacre when even the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake did it better. Um, I don't know. It just too many, too many things I didn't like about it. Uh, It just feels under underdone after such a great start. Um, I would have liked to see more Sid Haig throughout the movie. You know, maybe I would have liked to have seen more of a, Oh shoot! I forgot his name. Rain Wilson. Um, Bill Mosley. Uh, Chris Hardwick. Well, Rain Wilson's okay, but I was actually thinking of um, Walter Goggins, especially Walter since Goggins. he's such a yeah Walter Goggins because he's such a great actor. You know, I, I would have loved to see more of that too. But I don't know. It it just feels like a real hodgepodge. I mean, it feels like an extended music video, and it just I mean, while the production stuff looks good, the visual effects look great. I and mean, the, the the gore and the makeup effects work looks fantastic. The acting is all over the place and it just I don't know. It it's too too as a first outing, I guess it's not bad, but it's just not a movie I like. Like I didn't like Wes Craven's first movie either, so you know, there's that. Um but yeah, I I give this one a one out of four. All right, and what about you, Mark? Um, well, before I get to that, uh, if you're a fan of Walt, uh, Walton Goggins, he did film this movie before he started on The Shield. So if you like his work from Hateful Eight or from American Ultra, The Shield, that FX it's show, amazing, awesome. Yes. He is yeah. awesome in it. That's where I really first discovered him. Um, yeah, him and Michael Chiklis in The Shield are yes. fantastic. So- Oh my yeah, god! So the shield is a show to watch. As for the movie, um, <laughs> uh, for a first attempt, it kind of met what I expected from a rock and roll stars horror movie. You know, um, is it a great film? No. Is it a good film? Uh, I, I think it's passable, but it's unmemorable. Um, what would I have watched again? Probably, I think I would have watched it like once a decade type of thing, which exactly is exactly what I did now. I don't think I've seen this since it, it came out on DVD. Um, so and that was probably depending when 03 it was released, probably 04. Um, so it's been a good 12 years since I've seen it. Um, it, it still looks like a 70s film, so I think it's aged well because it's not set in the 2000s. Um, but is it a good film? No, um. Sid Haig is awesome. Tom Tolles is awesome. Goggins is awesome. I was annoyed by Otis. Uh, Baby looks good. Mama Firefly is actually pretty decent in this movie, apart from her teeth. I just can't stand bad teeth. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I did give it one and a half out of four or out of five on uh, Letterbox. After watching the commentary, I'm inclined to give it maybe two out of five. So... For our rating, I'll give it one out of five out of four. Wait, what? One? Say so one point five out of four, but okay. out of five, I'd probably give it a two. Gotcha. <laughs> 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 so 
so I, basically what it comes down to is is uh, aspects that that didn't you guys didn't like I did and and quite a lot um and that's basically the the long and short of it so I mean Rob Zombie I feel like he takes a lot of chances with this film and it feels to me like a veteran horror director taking the helm which is an absolute compliment seeing as this is only his first film um, it definitely, I can get that, you know, music video vibe to it, but I don't, I didn't mind that. And I don't find that as a criticism at all. Um, I, you know, I absolutely, I remember loving this when I first saw it in theaters and it was one of the films that, that made me a horror fan for life. And though I think things can get a little messy near the end of the film, the ride there for me is just a ton of fun. It mixes in humor, um, that it, and it's the humor that should feel out of place given what's happening here, but it all worked for me. It's dirty. It's gritty. It's an ugly horror film from a director that's not afraid to take chances. And though the story feels familiar, feels very Texas Chainsaw Massacre and torture porny and, and just what we were used to seeing uh, it f- really after this, because uh, this was 2003 and the torture porn genre didn't really kick off until a little bit after this. But um, I just think it's presented in a unique enough way that it never felt stale for me. Um this set me on the path to loving Rob Zombie and watching it again this week, I can still see why I loved it. It's a fucked up piece of film that I absolutely adore. I'm giving House of a Thousand Corpses three and a half out of four stars. <laughs> it's, a, it's all right, Mark. We 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 skewed the rating in the right way. <laughs> so I did change my IMD rating from a nine to an eight. But it's still an eight out of ten in my book. Oh well. Hey, you know what though? It's a work of demonic brilliance, as per Kevin Thomas of the Los Angeles Times. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. So that is House of a Thousand Corpses, and that's gonna wrap us up for this week. So next week we will continue in our Rob Zombie retrospective with a review of 2005's The Devil Rejects, which is a direct sequel to House of a Thousand Corpses, so make sure you check that one out as well. So as always, if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or wherever the hell else it is that you might be listening to us. Positive reviews help us get a lot more listeners, and so we really appreciate you guys taking the time to leave us that review. So thank you for for taking a couple hours out of your day to listen to the three of us talk. And thank you, Mark and Ash, for joining me again this week. Even though you didn't like the film, I still hope you uh, had a fun discussion about it at least. I enjoyed the journey. (laughs) That's all I can ask. So good. Well, look at it this way. I, 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 you know, I, I I told my wife, you know, I can't watch, I won't watch this film again. So, you know, she, she's okay with this this time because that was what I told her the first time. And then she's like, uh, (laughs) so, you know, there's that. Good. Hey, that's fine in the positive in a dark tunnel. So good for you. (laughs) All right. So I want to thank everyone for listening and we will catch you next time. 